Yes, Andy Mitchell. Jordan? Hey, are you mate okay? Okay, mate, all good. Good lad. Listen, what have you been up to? He's back training yet, no? Oh, back on Tuesday. Um, can't wait to be honest. It's been a long what sixteen <laughs> weeks, I think, or something. I've lost my like just <laughs> actually is how long it's been, like I see my hair locked down the first week and it's actually grew back and my hair takes a long time to grow, like so it's been <laughs> It's been long, so going back on the side there, mate, too. Man, I couldn't believe it. I think I, I got um I got that patch grow from my grass. I've been doing my grass over lockdown and must have stuck a bit in my head by accident. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, but to be fair, it's been it's been tough like, but to be honest, it's been nice wee break as well. Like we all complain that we don't get enough breaks, so we can't yeah. complain we'll go back to run here on Tuesday that we we haven't had enough of a break. So yeah, all good. How's the coaching going, mate? I've seen you on TikToks sticking ones in uh, the top ends. It's, I've been Mr. Viral, like Roberto Carlos, now my best mate. <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> nah, but me and Josh were, to be fair, we, we had the coaching business and we were doing it and it was going well, but we were not really doing much on social media and stuff. And then this all came out, this all happened, and we just saw, just to get out there on social media a bit more, and then we started doing wee challenges and wee things for the kids. And, um, to be fair, we were up at we were up at Hamwood. We were like everywhere was shut, so we we're like jumping over like hundred, <laughs> two hundred feet fences to get into places, and felt like a nine-year-old again. But no, I think we we're up there for about four days trying to head in the top corner. So eventually we done it. As I was saying, many takes, mate. Flip me. You must have been there all day. Uh, well, we only had I think we only had about six balls, so it was like, mate. Yeah, we ever, ever do this straight away, like, or else we're going to be just running back and forth, like kicking <laughs> over the net. It can't say, but to be fair, I think the first day we were doing it, like we thought, oh, we'll turn up, put the ball in the top in, and, and that'll do us. But end up going on the second day, and then they're like, right, I need these smaller challenges here. This isn't working. And then as soon as we said that, I was like, right, one more attempt, Josh, give me one more attempt. And I flicked it over, and they, I just hit it, man. I just knew as soon as I did, I'm like, oh, this, is, this is going in, this is going in. Yeah, and some strike, some strike. And then we joined, oh, no, brilliant. Then we joined, we joined TikTok because that's. All the kids are on that, and we just thought we'll get on TikTok, so we'll get on that. And um, next thing it went like million and a half views, yeah, and, over a million views or something like that. Well, was it? It was brilliant. And we had some like obviously Roberto Carlos commented on it, and it was it was funny like at the time because we were like thinking, I was like, that must be a fake account, like <laughs> has to be. And then it had the tick and all, and then. I've been private messaging like mad. Roberto, can you send me a message? Translating like, hi, Roberto, how are you? And presenting it all. Did you ask him for a pair of boots? No, flip. No way. No, Hank will send them 3,000 messages and give up. <laughs> That's yeah, here, good. speaking of big Josh, made some transfer news. He's joined Lauren. Aye. Good sign of is isn't it? I can't get rid of him. Everywhere I, I go, he follows me. He's my marketing. I like I went to Rangers. Bendy face comes to Rangers. Went to where to go next? <laughs> to be fair, he didn't follow me in Southport or Annan. Um, he came straight home, same for the cruise. To be fair, he got me to move to the cruise when I come when I first come home. So, um, I think I've got him three moves since. So he, he owes me a couple. Like, can't see him getting me a move. Like, but he, he owes you get twenty percent. <laughs> he owes me a favor. Like, agents pay me. Nobody has a great great saying, and I think obviously. Gets a lot of stick. He's, he's my good mate, like, but he, get, he does get a lot of stick in the league. But we're proud of him. He's a, he's a winner and he's won titles wherever he's been. So 
Pat McAfell, like he's he's going to be a um, great signing for us in my opinion. Him and Big Albert the back will be a big rock and not saying we didn't miss that last year, but I think in the big games we probably didn't have the experience to maybe cope with it. Um, so no, I think Josh Coleman will be brilliant for us. Yeah, I agree, man. I think especially last year, maybe and maybe even the year before in the Irish Cup against Coleraine as well. I, I think that sort of centre half that Josh is was lacking and probably stopped us from being successful. Um, yeah. and winning major trophies so it's I think it'd be a great signing for you know if he stays fit I know he obviously had his his injury problems and stuff last year but he's a great lad and we'll probably talk a wee bit more about Josh later um, in okay. terms of his stories and things but um, going on to your career mate uh, you started off at, at Green Island which is um, a boys club that's obviously very popular um, in producing players going across the water um, how did the move to Man City come about? Um, I agree. I didn't obviously brilliant club. I went there and I was about six, remember six or seven going there, and just that was a club at the time. Like I remember Corey Evans being there, Johnny Evans, Craig Cathcart, um, a lot of good players at that club, and they were producing players, and it was just just a really well-run club with good football people behind it. Gilsey, um, Stevie Graham, Bobby Haddon, just real football men, and just they sort of knew how to produce players and as now as only six joined the Munchkins only starting getting into football but very quickly put into like the under 10s I think it was Corey's age group and I remember I think I said this in a few other interviews I remember remember the game well my shorts were like down to my, my shins and the top was down to my knees and my socks was pulled right up and but it was brilliant I remember I remember it well and when I had about 10 um, I started to get serious and I spent about three years just playing for Green Island and I remember Linfield coming in for me I just wanted to stay at Green Island I built up a wee friendship with the coaches and, and my friends were there and I, and I loved it and my family loved it it was just a real nice club and I think it started getting serious for me when I was about 13 12, 13 but dad kept it from me pretty well mum and dad but I remember it was sort of I just remember there was always scouts coming to watch me but dad kept it from me but you, you sort of knew who they were like like Billy Barr was the Everton scout at the time and Willie McKeown who's a Linfield now he was a Man City yeah. scout and, and the Coulters they were united so you sort of knew they were always there at the sides watching and you sort of knew they were always there but you never really knew they were watching you we were playing against decent sides like Bambridge had the Twins Aaron Andrew Burns and always good games every week so it was about 12 started going on trial went to trial first trial was at Everton uh-huh. um, very hated it um Hit every minute. Went went over. Don't get me wrong. Everton treated me like a king, and it was like put up in a hotel. And I was twelve, and I was I was eating like steak dinners at night and all. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't getting my mom's mincing spots anymore. Was like, <laughs> and I was sitting down with like high up at Everton's academy, and he was telling me like what what to do, and I was loving it. But I remember just going there, and I was I was young, obviously at the time, and I just probably no one really talked to me, and I was like. That's probably why I didn't really enjoy it, but just didn't feel like I was meant to be there. And then went back to Green, but it was like flying over every other week to like different clubs. Like I remember going to West Brom, Arsenal, Chelsea. Like I went to most of the clubs, like most of the main clubs. And then yeah, I remember Man City. Man City. It was like getting the stage where Man City came in for me, and they're like, "We're going to take you over and just see around the place." And Happy Days just felt like another trip for me. And then there was another. I think it was another 16. It was another 16 or another 18 game. And I was only 13. It was under 16s. 
And um, they were like, do you want to play? And I remember my dad saying, no, he, he couldn't play three years above himself. It would be too much. Yeah. Um, so we're like, right, well, that's fine. He can, he can sit on the bench and sure, we can bring him on the last sort of 20, 15 minutes. And I was like, right, I was like, I was just 13, wanting to play football. I was buzzing. Like, I was like, wow, Man City, like stick on the Man City kit, like like a Premier League yeah. player. And um, obviously, I remember coming on, like, he turned around to me, he said, right, you're coming on, but I didn't think I was coming on. So it was like 15 minutes ago, I think it was against Stoke. And I was playing like three years above myself. And I remember coming on, like, my mum, my dad, Gilsey was over from Green Island, Willie McCoom was over. And um, I was playing for like five minutes. I mean, you're younger, you usually like, you look across the line, if you do something well, and you, you see your mum and dad, and they're like, you're waiting on like a thumbs up or something. And I remember looking across and like, before I just had a shot, I had a shot from like 20 yards and like, sp- like spanked the bar. I was like, yeah. Having a word. Think, like, where'd that come from? No, like, just to be, I was like, where'd that come from? Never done that. And then I looked across it, you no, know, like, to get the old thumbs up from your, my mum or dad. And like, the, it was like a train, the line of them just like walking away from the pitch. <laughs> just sacked you off, has he? I'm like playing, I'm like, I'm like playing, like, getting on the ball, like, going, like, we're thinking to myself, where they went? Like, what's happened here? Yeah. So, 15 minutes left in the game. So, game finished off very quickly. And um, I went in. Couldn't get my gear on quick enough to go up and see my dad to see what, what the hell's going on here. And I went up and my mum, I could tell my mum was like quite teary. Um, yeah. Not like crying in a bad way, but she was like, just like quite teary. And my dad was like quite teary. And I was like, what's going on here? And then they sat me down and was like, listen, you're moving to Manchester in three weeks. And I was like, what? I was like, what? So I was offered like a five-year deal at City and something I couldn't be there. Dad couldn't turn down like all the other clubs were after me, but I wasn't allowed to go till I was sixteen. Yeah. They moved the whole family over and put me into school, and I got trained. I got trained like four days a week and went to school the other day and That's just living, like thirteen. Like and I look back at now, people. There's all arguments about like do you stay and play as many games and build it up. There's there's probably no wrong way of doing it. Um, but at that time. Feels about can't, years old, at that, at that you can't turn that opportunity down, mate. That's that's too good. Like uh, when people, Graham McGivern, Graham McGivern done it two years before me, and he yeah. when I went over, he, like someone I looked up to in terms of, I think he was captain of like the 16s and like they had him in high stand, and he ended up going to make his city debut and first team and stuff. So yeah, he was the only one to do it with him and Stephen Ireland. So and they told me this, and I was like, this night can't. My dad was like, you can't turn this down. Like, it's too good of a chance for you to go out and play full-time football at your age. So, yeah, yeah it all happened very quickly. And I ended up moving to Manchester at 13. And, and there was a whole new life for me. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I left a lot of sacrifice to go and do it. But I would never, ever regret doing it. Like, it was it was phenomenal. Yeah. Was there any other um, Northern Irish or Irish boys that were over there with you? Um, We had a few. Well, Chris Ramsey, when I first signed, I think Chris Ramsey signed. But he was like 16 at the time, so he was coming over as a scholar. Ram McGivern was already there. And then there was people like Carl Moore, Michael Daly. Um, these were down south boys. But yeah, we had like a wee click where <laughs> you could go to them boys. And like, I, I was still 13 trained with these lads. I was like trained with under 16, 17s every, like every day. So it was like, there were miles ahead of me. Like, But I could, I could stand on my own and it was, it was okay and I was enjoying it. But um, yeah, you had that. Yeah, they had that week. Or was he big time? 
no, no, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. He used to wear the G Star jeans. Now I used to be like, oh, I want a pair of them. Like, <laughs> Star I, jeans, the, the, the spiky blonde dyed hair, man. I think it was more of a, just an absolute avalanche saying just into his head. <laughs> the mullet down the back. <laughs> uh, no, no, he did, to be fair. I remember. I remember as I got a bit older, I started going around to his digs, his digs, like, I think he stayed with Deidre, and they lived, like, a few wee, like, parts of the walk upstairs, and I remember, like, he had all the gear, like, like, uh, good G-watches, and Dulce, he just, he yeah. knew then, he, he was, like, the main man, like, so, no, he, McGill's great lad, like, even when he signed for Linfield and all, like, just real down-to-earth, modest lad, that's the way it was when he was back in, and a lot of time for him, like, he's someone still keeping contact with a lot. Yeah, brilliant guy. Um, so sort of over the next maybe two, three years, um, in terms of going through the the youth team and in the reserves and stuff like that, did you come into any contact with any first team players? How were they sort of around the young boys? And did you ever train up there and, and things like that? What see what what when I look back, I would like what I would love. I'd love to sign for a team back then that was close to the first team at City. We had we trained the Platte Lane, which was. It was Platt Lane and then the first team reserve trained at Carrington. So yeah. probably a bit of a double catch where it was something to strive to get to. Like if you got the Carrington, you knew you were sort of right, you've sort not sort of done it, but like you were you were part of the first team reserve team squad, which was which was massive. Like you were going and seeing the first every day. Yeah. At the Platt Lane, it was just Academy. So it was like under 18s to stop that. Don't get me wrong, we're still incredible players under 18s. When I signed that I had to re-sign my scholarship at 16. And um, like we were, that was when all the money came in. So we were like signing boys like from like Barcelona and like like John Goodetti, Omar Abdelouie, um, Jeremy Alan. Like all Vice, these boys Vladimir, were getting Vice. All these boys were getting chased. Like these were getting chased by like big, big teams like Real Madrid and all like and we were signing them. Yeah. So I was like they were they were top class players, like so and then the closest I sort of re- really got was when I got till about 17, 18. Um, every now and then, the first team would, or the reserve team would want players and they would ask the academy to send a few up. So there's no better feeling. I remember like when uh, Pete Lowe used to come down to us and he used to say, right, lads, there's four players going up. And then you, if you got called one out of four players, like he used to jump in Pete Lowe's car and he used to drive you up to Carrington. And yeah, like, he used to drive in, obviously, all the first team cars were there and like. Private gates would open. They had their facility, and the pitches were like bowling greens, and and then you really like you really went into your shell in because like you're around the first team. It was like, oh dear, yeah, just keep your head down and just just walk, just walk straight and keep your head down. So I remember training with like the reserve team then, and to be fair, it was like we played like a bounce game with like reserves. I think Rubinho was coming back from injury, and he joined in. It was like him, Petrov, Didi Haman joined in. Um, Valerie Bojanov, Benjani. Um, that was really it. Mika Richards. Yeah. I was looking there. earlier, mate. I was looking earlier. As, like, as you say, Rubinho, Stephen Ireland, Colo Toure, Richard Dunn, Shea Given, Mika Richards. Yeah, so that was like all the first team. I only trained with like the reserves where like some of them would maybe come back from injury and just like yeah, join in. Right. Or, so even still to be with them boys, but the reserve team at the time was like Kieran Trippier, Andrew Tutt, uh, Dedrick Boyata. Like, these are like players that are yeah, still like players. players. They were proper, yeah. like, even the they, they were they were like first team players. Like the McGibbs ever tell you the story about Rubinho? Yes. <laughs> do you want? <laughs> do you want to tell her, John? Oh, so you tell it, mate. You can tell it better. 
Oh, brilliant. World class. Like, I see still, I feel like I still used to torture McGill. I think I used to tell me all the stories. I buzz off out like when you hear Yeah, I mean, I, I, used to, I used to kill him for stories all the time. Like, yeah, see, the big one at United. He told me um, the Rubino story. I was like, go on, tell me some stories about the boys at Man City. And he was like, remember, he was like breaking into the first team and they obviously done all the video analysis on a Friday or the day before a game. And um, yeah. he was saying that obviously, so all the boys were up, like Shea Gibbon and Richard Dunn, they were all up waiting on, obviously, <laughs> Rubinho, Alano, Joe. They were like the presenters at the time, but they were like probably so laid back, probably on about 100 grand a week. Didn't really care, like, but just top-class players. And uh, they were all waiting up in the video analysis room, and I think it was... um, was Mark it? Bowen or something, wasn't it? Mark Hughes' assistant. Mark, it, was, it was Mark Hughes' assistant. Now, Mark Bowen, he said, and he says, uh, <laughs> where's, where's, where's Robbie? And this is McGill's talent. Where's Robbie? The... They're like Alano and Joe, and he's like, ah, oh, the Cardi speak English, so they're like, ah, oh, and saying things. And then Joe was like, I'll go down, I'll go down and get him. So he's in the shower, like, Joe goes down, he's in the shower. He's like, he's in the shower, boss, he's, he's coming up now. And um, next thing, like, 20 minutes later, they're all like, Shay Gibbons going mad, he has to pick his kids up. And they're all like, <laughs> where is this, where is this fella? He's taking the piss now out of us and all this. And, and boys are starting to get a bit agitated and all, like, does what he wants. And, you could imagine Rubinho. And next thing, uh, half an hour later, they're all like, where is this guy? Like, And McGill said he was just sitting there like, my days, I can't believe this is happening. Next thing, um, all the herb was like, <laughs> in the car park. <laughs> like, so all the boys are like scattered to the window, to the window just for the car, look out the car park. And next thing, Rubinho was driving his Lamborghini out of his training ground. <laughs> next thing, he was like, Winds the window down, like pops his head out the window, gives it one M, just drives off. <laughs> gives it one M, just drives no, off. Man. Boys were like shaking, and all were supposedly going mental, like. But he told me one thing. as well. He told me one as well, where like you know, at, at a club normally you'd have like a club suit and stuff on match days, <laughs> and you all had to wear like your club suit and stuff. You know, and the dress code was obviously on match days, especially home games where you had to be in your like your suit and your shoes and stuff. And he said that they had this fine bill. So if you missed, like say if you, you wore something or you didn't wear your shirt or your blazer or wore a different pair of shoes, like the fine was something ridiculous, like five grand or something or whatever. And he said Robinho used to rock in, mate, with a pair of high top trainers, pair of like skinny jeans, belt, t-shirt tucked in, and then like a cap that said like R7 on it for Robinho. <laughs> Every week, mate. He says the fine bill was like about 25 grand at a time. <laughs> and he was just like me. He was just like whatever. Apparently, he just didn't give a fuck. Flavor Mayor Vice, he was, he was sort of the, the main man in the academy at the time. And he, I think he was up training the first team all the time anyway. But I remember him. I remember Rubinho and him used to go on really well. Like, we're probably with a similar player, like real lively players. Like, Flad was phenomenal. Like, just really, really good player. And I think I remember Rubinho lent him his Lamborghini for the weekend when he was like 18 and he was driving about in Manchester <laughs> in Rubinho's Lamborghini. <laughs> I was still getting lifts off my dad's Ford Escort that time. He's driving about in Lamborghinis. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, aye, but different. Any other sort of stories in the round there? Like who was, even in the Just, youth team and stuff, like who was the main characters in the, in the youth team? Was Kieran Trippier and stuff Ireland and Stephen Ireland? He was, they were like, Stephen Ireland was more, he was in the first team at the time, but Kieran Trippi, he would, 
Kieran Trippett, a wee fella called Jack Redshaw. Like they were, he plays for Sal. He played for Salford. I think he's at Halifax now. But like out and out goal scorer, Kieran Trippett is obviously Atletico Madrid now in England. So, but see them and they were like 17, 18. Just, just the usual stories you hear. Just like stories you can't be saying though about boys' gear and all cutting boys' gear and yeah, water bottles and shoes. Like you can imagine what goes in them and just like yeah. shard, they shard. Yeah, but they were always raking like. Always pulling pranks, and I was on the front end of a few. I was just a wee Northern Irish kid, and the, the, probably vulnerable. They're like, We want to take a piss out of him. And he used to play, yeah. I remember Kieran Chippy, he used every training session, him and Steve Er, the coach. They used to like, they used to aim, like before World Song, they used to kick a ball and aim for boys' heads. Yeah. But they used to hit boys, like, they used to hit boys, like, full smack, like, full smacks. Like, Kieran could hit a 50 yard pass right off the top, like, right off your nugget from anywhere, like. Yeah. He used to hit you like full slaps in the head, like no freezing weather, and you used to know your ear you used to, <laughs> he used, to he, he used to hear the buzzing noise. He used to turn around him and trips were just laughing their heads off, like just shouting, no, like go metal. I'm like I'm like, oh my days, this is nuts. Like but like me coming from Green Island, being the main man to like being a nobody at Man City, it's like you just yeah. walk in that and you're like different different word, like but no, I see to learn off all that. It was they were top class players. Like see train them every day. Like it was it was it was it was incredible. Like just yeah. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't turn down. Brilliant. So moving on then to talking about Rockets, there must have been some Rockets in that in that Rangers team, mate. How do we look at this how do we look at the squad earlier? Who was yeah, there? Ian. Ian Black, David Healy. Yeah, um Lee Wallace. Headers. Lee Wallace actually quite as anything, but on a night out again, another rocket like just deadly assassin like. But um, yeah. when I first joined Rangers, it wasn't. It was like the proper the main squad like. So I remember first joined Rangers. I went as a sort of youth team player. I thought I was signing. They were still in another eighteen league down there, so I was signing straight in the. Sorry, I was another twenty league, so I went right into another twenty. So I wasn't anywhere near the first team. Uh-huh. The half boys like they still had the like the European squad that got the final like that type of player. So yeah, I wasn't anywhere near it. Um. And uh, but again, I remember my, my story into the first team was like I remember going in one day. I was struggling in the twenties, couldn't get a game. Reese McCabe and Darren Cole were playing in front of me in centre mid, and I came from Man City and thought it was going to be easy. It was it was far from it. Was tough, really tough. The first year, I found it really tough. And then um, I went in on one of my days off because I got told I got told about six months to go. I was getting released, so I was like, there was a real kick up the hole for me. I was like. I need, to, I need to do something here, like, or I'm going to be yeah. back home very quickly, and that's something I didn't want to do. And um, so I was like, right, I need to do something. So I started going in, like, loads on my days off and just trying to get my arse back in gear. And I remember going in, and uh, Tommy Wright, the reserve team manager, he came around. It was like, Mitch, the first team are training. Um, they need an extra player. Do you, do you want to train? I was like, inside, I was like going, no. <laughs> my confidence, was, my confidence <laughs> already was that... <laughs> My confidence was so low because I wasn't even playing for the twenties, and I was I was struggling. I was like yeah. thinking, end of myself, like <laughs> if I go around chimneys and have an absolute murder, like that's the end of me. Like there's no coming back. Be back in Belfast. But I was like, but at the same time, I was like, Phew. I remember saying Tommy, I happy days. So I remember getting on my boots and going around training the first team. They done eleven, day eleven game, and it done really well. It was like it was just a real boost for me. It done really well, and then. All of a sudden, I, that was my sort of way into the first team, and I started training, not regularly with the first team, but I would go around like probably 
twice a week, maybe once a week to go around training them. And I had a sort of my hand there and it was, it was brilliant. Like, and that was sort of my way in. So that squad was like Kyle Lafferty, first of all, absolute rocket. Yeah. Like, I remember going up the first team and the, the youth team used to eat the two sacker places. But I remember going around to like the first team to eat Monday. And he was like, That's at Murray Park, yeah. Yeah, they used to get like, there was like boiled eggs made for us. Like, this is just sitting in a wee bowl. And he used to like, he used to like, like you know, the old like flicking oil bean or something, no, off the old plate. He used to like lob full like boiled eggs, mate. He used to like have to peel them. He was lobbing full boiled eggs at people across the like canteen, you know? <laughs> And there's like wee dinner ladies, like, like, you know, the dinner ladies anywhere, any club, they're like, they're like your mum. They're just like, they do anything for you and like, just so nice and they're the heart of the club. Should be skimming the dinner lady's heads, but I got see if one of them hit the dinner lady's. I was like, "Oh my days, what is happening?" Yeah, that story, that story about him last week, mate. On uh, about him in the Euros with them guns and pointing a gun at Michael O'Neill. Yeah. With so funny. Yeah, the one, the one, the one I remember was the the one I remember. I didn't actually know the details of until he said it. But when he broke his when he broke his finger, mate, before the challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fighting like that's kind of a laugh. Like fighting with Wildy, getting off a bus, mate, fell and broke his finger. I'm like. Oh my! Before you play, man, you hate it. Like, but like, to be fair, he's you need them guys about the place, and it was only when, obviously, the trouble started and the club and administration is when, obviously, we all got our chance. Um, me, Higgsy, we all sort of stepped up the first team in. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So we were still like we boys, but we had to grow up very. You scared me. We nervous because obviously at a club like Rangers, you know, you hear it all the time like the standards and stuff and you know obviously how big the club is in terms of the fan base and the, the expectation and things like that where did when you were young whenever you were that young did that hit you in terms of the expectation that was expected of you and are, are oh, we, were you just that young that you didn't really sort of no see to be fair to be fair i signed for rangers from city and i knew it was serious when i remember signing that day and I literally signed that day and see about a half an hour later, we were still at Murray Park and we were looking up. They had a big TV and Sky Sports was on. And my name came up that it's in the yellow bar, mate. Like it was on the yellow bar. I think I still got a picture of it somewhere on my phone. That's when mate, you it come up on the, It came up on the yellow bar, like breaking news, like Andrew Mitchell has joined Rangers from Manchester City. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Dad, I'm on the yellow bar. <laughs> and he's like, looking up like so and then I remember going out I remember Murray Park we remember we trained at Linfield we went in the back way but see the front way there's like there's like big Rangers gates mate that's like iconic where you you drive up and like they have the Rangers badge and the gates and just going in that every day was class as it is but I remember going out there like the day I signed and there was like 20-30 fans yeah. looking my autograph and all so that's when I knew straight away I was like I was like Wow, I went from a youth team player to that. I was like, yeah. wow, this is a massive club. And to be fair, the standards like you see, you hear people talking about Rangers and Celtic. Like you're in a pure bubble in, in Glasgow. Like everybody knows you, and no matter where you go, there's always one half of city's trying to hammer you, and yeah. one half of city loves you. And you're in a pure. It's an absolute bubble, and everything gets you're, you're lifted and led. Like I used to go into training, and like I remember when I was in the first team, you had your own locker, your a bit like Linfield now, but you had your own like locker, your key to your locker, your 
your the badge, the Rangers badge, your name, your squad number. Every day yeah. you went in, you had like two sets of kit, your boots, everything clean for you, and just like that was every day for four years. And who was the main sort of who was the main players there? I mean, in times of whenever you did sort of hovering in around the first team, who was the main players? Um, and was there any fair, Healy, any players hard on the younger players in terms of you know maybe a sloppy training session would have been on you, you know, about about standards and stuff or any any. any you bothers? sort of you, you sort of I was on a few like I remember Kenny Miller. Kenny Miller would be like you didn't know what you would get from him. Like one day you would be like. He'd put the arm around you, yeah. and the next day he would absolutely hammer you in training, like, get me in the feet, like, or, like, if he spins off, you don't pass it to him, you're, like, you're, like, stumbling on the ball, like, like trying to pass it to him quickly, but, see, to be fair, I actually, there was a lot of guys helped me, like, remember Marcelo, he helped me a lot, um, popping to me, um, Bacanera, Carlos Bacanera was an absolute legend, yeah. he used to take yeah. you, like, for, he used to, like, take you to the side, and take you for, like, wee sessions, like, one-to-one, trying to improve your game, but, when all them players sort of left, Lee McCulloch, he stepped up big time. Lee McCulloch, Lee Wallace, and then boys like Kyle Hutton, they sort of gone the radar. Like boys like that who were like fringe players, like played big games, Champions League games. And when the club yeah. and the administration, they all stayed and they were like like renowned first team players then. And see to be fair, like it was it was like more of a togetherness and getting through all this together because at the time the club was a mess. Like what was that like, man? What in terms of it was, you're probably thinking in terms of like yeah, you're being probably young, thinking see, being young. Man, I was going in, I was going in every day, and I was like, as I guess like, is unbelievable. Like I'm a, this is like you, yeah. CBC to get from the youth team side to the first team dressing room. That's a massive thing. So yeah. like yeah. that happened to me very quickly when the administration hit. I think I was like one of the thirteen players to go back. I mean, obviously we went through. I made my debut before all that, but. So I was like sort of training the first team regularly and, and I was on the bench like loads and I was like getting minutes here and there. So I was sort of like establishing myself a bit more. But I remember um that transition from going to the youth team to the first team because of administration was like this was this was incredible for me. Cause I was like, You ring all your mates and you're telling people like you're getting you're still you, we were still like staying in big hotels before games, like you're still getting treated like a Rangers player, nothing changed that way, but yeah. Everybody, your spotlight was just on the club, and McCoy's he wasn't, he was there every session. But if you're looking back at it now, like he was going for meetings after meetings, and yeah. his head must yeah. have been fried like through it. Also, Kenny McDowell and Ian Durant were absolutely phenomenal, they kept the place alive. And McCoy's as well, you can imagine them three, they were just three characters, um, just three guys, but they knew what it, what it, what it took to be a Rangers player, and and they drilled it in there, like. Yes, you may be up because of the circumstances, but it'll get very quickly taken away from you if you don't prepare yourself right for games and the fans will get on you. And, and so you, had, you still had to compete. And yeah, we were playing against men and I was still only 18, so it was, it was still tough, but it was brilliant. Yeah, good upbringing. Definitely good upbringing for you. What was, um, what was McCoy's like in terms of... Was he, was he the, the only manager you had there? And what was he like in terms with the young players? Was he... Was he quite hard on them, or was he was he encouraging of them? He was, he was more jokey. I've heard stories about it before, but like you would see when my first moved over, my mum over with me, my mum and dad, and my mum worked in a bakery, and McCoy's used to go like every Friday into the bakery, so you'd always see him about, like out and about, and he was never really like a like a manager. It was he was the manager, but it was just like more 
fun and very approachable. And but yeah. he had that aura. It's like Ali McCoy. Like I knew Ali McCoy watching Question of Sport. So yeah. I like seen him as that Ali McCoy. Obviously he's my manager, but and he gave me my debut and he he done a lot for me. Like he put me in the first team very quickly. And but it, in terms of like, well, in terms of like going to talk to him and all. I think every manager's the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's, laughs> I remember like he used to have a staircase going up and I remember so I got I got told this is all happened within six months. I got told I was getting released six months. I was in the youth team. Uh-huh. Um four weeks later, I made my debut. So but McCoy's didn't really know. I got told by youth team boys that I was getting released. That um, against Dundee United. Dundee United. Yeah. So I got told I was getting released. And then four weeks after that, I made my first team debut because I was around team with the first team doing well. And the reserve team captain doing well. And my confidence was high. And then I could pull in. I was like, listen, your contract's up in six months. You can go and start speaking to the other teams. We're not renewing it. I've spoke to McCoy's and stuff. And I was like, I was like thinking to myself, I find it hard to believe. I've been training every day and flying. Like still yeah. training with the Rangers that before administration. I was like, I'm flying here. Like I don't know where this is all came about. So I just sort of thought, so I'll keep my head down, I'll keep working hard, but the club went in the administration. I remember I remember trying to have that conversation with McCoist. <laughs> I had to go up the sterile spark case. And I was like, you know, it's like you talk, you talk yourself in, you, you say to yourself, right, I'm going to ask this question, this question, this question. I'm going to try and like try and ask him. I remember got that star case repeating the questions in my head. Like, knock the door, <laughs> come in, just to walk in. <laughs> Next thing, like everything blanks out of your head. He tells you like you're the worst player in the squad. You're like you're just like, yeah, yeah, no. You're just a kid. But to be fair, like I remember when my contract was run out, I I went and spoke to him. And I was like, McCoy, I got told like, I got told like two months ago that I was getting released. I've made my debut in all sense, and he was like, he's like, what do you mean? He didn't he didn't actually know I was getting released. Uh-huh. And um, he was like, no, you won't, you won't be getting released. You, you'll be staying next year, and don't don't worry. Just keep your head down, work hard. You're doing really well. And and to be fair, it was. It was sorted from that, but nothing was ever sorted. So you just think it's going to, you just think everything's going to be okay and it gets sorted. My contract yeah. didn't get sorted until a week before the following season. So I had to come in, like, I had to come in the pre season and there was like no contract still there. It was like one of the 13 players to come back. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was brilliant to be fair. Like, he was more jokey, but I think that's what we needed at that time because the place was a bit down to dumps. People like were losing their jobs and it wasn't, it wasn't nice to see, but I still had to do a job and beat teams that were getting two hundred percent against us. Yeah, was your first old firm match, um, three two win at Ibrox, and you were on you substituting that. Yeah, what was, was that? Like, what was that experience like? Oh man, Probably scary, really, really scary. Ever had. I, d- I don't know. I don't know if you know the rule, but they had a rule where you had the name five or four under 21 players in your squad every week. So I knew it was like training and I was looking around going, there's not many under 21 players. So I knew I had a chance to make the squads every week. And I remember yeah. like used to run in after training and Kenny McDowell would leave training 10 minutes early to put the squad up in the change room. So your name would just used, used to be highlighted. Yeah. A bit like the gaffer used to put your names up in the door. Uh-huh. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you used to, um, you used to go in, you used to just look, I, I, you knew your name was, you used to just look down and see where it was highlighted and you were like, happy days. Like, and I remember coming in and I never really made the first team I was training with them, but never used to make the squads. And um, I remember the, I think it was the third game we played the old firm and 
it got to the stage where I was just counting. I was counting the squad to see if I would make the bench rather than the yeah than the actual twenty yeah. three man squad. And I remember he only named he only named like nineteen players that that time for the old firm day, and it was like there was only three hundred twenty one players. And I was thinking, oh my days, like I'm making the, I'm making the bench tomorrow here for the old firm. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh my. But I remember sitting there and we went one 0 up and even like walking out like I played like. I remember walking out in the tunnel before the game and all the players were like lined up beside each other. And um, I remember we played Celtic Park and very similar to that, only at Ibrox where yeah. the case was like pumping. Penny Arcade was pumping and I was like, just went down quickly, got the seat and just sat there the whole game. <laughs> sat there out there, shaking like, oh my days, this is praying, unbelievable. Like, praying somebody doesn't go down. <laughs> and I remember, I, I promise you, I remember about Five minutes to go. It was 3-1. McCoy's turned around and goes, let's get warmed up. And I'm not joking. My my bum cheeks. <laughs> I was like, and Healy was sitting, I remember Healy, I think Healy was sitting beside me. And he like, he gave me like a nudge and I was like, no, like, <laughs> right, right. But I jumped up, man. And I remember like, I remember I was warmed up before, but I actually every chance I had to warm up, I was like, I was out warming up, scratching it off. Must have done about 20k up a lane that day. Yeah, busiest man. I, the, I mean, I remember when he told me, though, to going at warm. I was like, oh my day. I was like, is this happening? <laughs> to be fair, it didn't happen. I don't know if I would have enjoyed it or not, but um, but I, what a buzz. Like, just, you couldn't hear nothing in, in the stadium, and it was just like pure noise. And What was it like in the dressing room after with the wind? Um, again, I was still young, so I was like very quiet. But boys were like just, just what you would think, just going mental, and, like just yeah, crazy, yeah. banging doors and just the usual, like. But yeah, oh, man, it was just different. When you look back at now, you were like, oh my, I was involved in them games, like it was incredible, like. But I had a taste for it before that. I had a, in fact, I had a taste for it three weeks before I went made my debut at Dundee, and uh-huh. didn't ever think it was ever my, my whole thing at Dundee was like. Just do well here. Just have a half decent game to make, to make the next squad or to make the bench or to, to play again. I never, I probably had the wrong attitude in terms of should have went in and tried to stamp my authority. But yeah, I played right wing yeah. that game, man. I'm not a right winger. <laughs> I know, man. I remember Celtic Park. Man, to be fair, like I played against no disrespect, but we played against Mitchum and um. Kieran Tierney that time and Scott Sinclair the three of them were on the wing I don't know how they ended up the wing beside us but um, at Dundee it was like probably playing against lesser players but if I couldn't get around the dump D players then I wasn't getting around Kieran Tierney <laughs> <laughs> but um, no what an experience eh? but um, no it was it was epic like it was it was top top class even making my debut was was incredible like. that's what I mean man in terms of like see whenever you're in football and you don't really get time to like relax and realize what you've done, you know, and then oh. by the time that you do, by the time you sort of remember that there now, it's probably vague in your mind in terms of, you know, but at, at the time you probably didn't, the yeah, you probably yeah. didn't realize what, what, what you had done in terms of an achievement because you were just fixated on, you know, the next match or the next training session That's or, it. you know, uh, and, and you can't like, it flies back. I know people say it all the time. Don't like, and your high don't get too high, and your low get too low. But and I would always say that now. But I was probably like back then, like eighteen years old, like starting for Rangers, being told yeah. I was getting released like four weeks before that. It was it was incredible. I remember training and and 
the gaffer never named the team on a Friday, like never named it. And um, he named the team the Friday, but I was just like, just a normal Friday for me. And I was like, and he was like calling the team out. I was like, this was like before menstruation, so it still had like, I think the team was like Reese McCabe, Bacanera, um, David Goyen, I think, the big boy Goyen, um, left back Wallace. I think these were like still, Davis was playing, Edu, Andy Little, Healy. So, like, but I remember them coming, and it was like um, Mitchell. And I was like, I turned around, and I was like, Carl Nesov was like, nudging me as if like he just called your name and I was like oh my days he's just called my name I'm starting tomorrow and I couldn't get in see after the train session it, the gaffer pulled me was like don't worry about it Mitch just you've been flying and training and just go out and do what you've been doing my head was just blank I was just I he could have been saying anything to me and I was just like looking at him as if like <laughs> I'm yeah. starting tomorrow for Rangers like I I honestly couldn't have ran faster to grab my phone and tell like my mates back home and like, lads, I'm like, I'm starting tomorrow yeah. for Rangers. Like, people couldn't believe it. Like, buzzing, I mean, I remember telling my mum and dad four weeks before, like, dad, like, I'm, <laughs> I remember having the ring, I'm nearly crying, like, dad, I'm getting released. Like, and he was like, don't worry, son, just keep going. You've now six months left. Well, you'll get a club and don't worry. Yeah. I rang him four weeks later, like, told him to start the next day. I was like, mad, man. Football's crazy, crazy. isn't it? Football's like, a mad game. The whole lead up to that debut was like, I remember Davis, Davis and Healy, to be fair, they were bringing with me. Like, I remember going into the change room at Tannadice, and we actually played there in that remember that cup. Yeah. And uh, went in the change room, and I seen my strip, and I was right beside Davis's strip with like the armband, the pennant, his boots. And I was like, this is real. Like, I just seen Mitchell 40, and I was like, oh wow, this is this is real now. Like, and I remember yeah. sitting beside Davis, and see, to be fair, see, for like half an hour in the build up when you walk on the pitch and you read the programs, like, Davis stood beside me the whole time and was just talking to me, just releasing the nerves. And that's the worst like, part, isn't it, mate? Like you'd rather just turn up and go and play. That's whenever yeah. you get the most nervous. Like whenever you're sitting, getting changed and stuff in the changing room before reading the program. You know when you're nah, was, when you have that sort it's of. It's not even that. the program. Like you read the program and like, I wasn't even in the Rangers pro. Like I wasn't even in the squad Rangers squad for the program. So like you're thinking that you're going, I'm on this program, I'm in it, and I'm starting here. Like that's how you know it's like unbelievable. Yeah. So like, but to be fair, the thirteen lads were brilliant with me, and they couldn't have been more better. Like just pity had an absolute stinker on the day. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair, I started well. Like the first second, the ball came to me as a goal kick. I came to me, and um, I took it down the chest and played like just an icy pass back, and I was like, it just settled my nerves. I was like. Happy days, I guess not as bad as what I thought. And then um we went one nil we went one nil down and we brought it back to one each. And on the like right on the right wing, one of ones or two players closed me down. The, the right back the left back closed me down and the boy in front of me. And I yeah. I tried to cry fit and give the ball away in the halfway line. And um Johnny Russell went on this absolute mazy run by about eight of our players yeah. squared it and stuck it in the back of that and I was like there's not a worse feeling, is there? Next thing I just seen forty, mate. Mitchell See, forty. Uh, when you're just starting. And Sonny Luco, he dropped Sonny Luco for me, who scored like in the Rangers derby, the the old firm. He yeah. dropped Sonny Luco, a Luco for me. I just seen Mitchell forty. <laughs> I was like, oh no, ran off the pitch. But to be fair, like I done, I didn't do myself any harm in the game. Like I think I got about a seven out of ten in the paper, which is a solid yeah. for me. Like, and I knew like 
happy days. And then it was only a couple of weeks later I was on the bench for the old firm. So, um, no, it's still been a good stead to be fair. I think it was a good learning curve off it. That's it, mate. It's all all experiences for you, like isn't it? At the end of the day. Um, the next one, a brief, a brief sort of spell then at, at Southport before you returned home to Crusaders. Um, yeah. What was Southport like? Awful. Awful. Terrible. Um, yeah. Just probably similar story to all the boys when they come before they come home. They always have sort of a bad. It's always yeah, not. Some of the stories here is just a bad experience before you come home, and it makes your decision easier to come home. Yeah. Um, that four months was a whirlwind for me. I went and loaned to Annan from Rangers because the two club rule where you can only play two teams one season. I went on a mer- I, I played for Rangers at the start of the season, and I went on an emergency loan to get games in like Scottish League One, and then I didn't think nothing of it. Then I, I went back to Rangers, and I couldn't, I couldn't do nothing. So then, I then got. I then went to Falkirk and trained to Falkirk, but I was playing for Annan. And I'd signed like a pre-contract for Falkirk in the, in the championship at the time. Uh-huh. Anyway, their manager got this. He got a job at um, Norwich, Gary Holt. Yeah. I'd already signed a pre-contract. They didn't lodge it. I actually bumped into it up in my room the other day. And um, I got a call from Peter Houston, who was a new Falkirk manager, just saying like, a new uh, Gary Holt offered you a contract, but um, I want to bring my own players in. This was like a week before the season started. And I was yeah. like, I was on holiday and I was like, nightmare, like, what am I going to do? Um, my agent got me a move very last moment down to Southport in the conference in England, which I thought at the time, like, good stepping stone for me and go to Southport and they produce, like, all the, all the Liverpool Everton players that get released. They go to Southport and then they usually get moves, like, up the leagues and that's how it sort of goes. But I remember going to Southport. My first game was Far Screen Rovers. Um, they had John Parkin and Lee Hughes up top. Oh, man. Murder ball. I could. Mate. I remember right back, and John Parkinson's not stupid, played in the leagues. He just started easing over to like right back. I was playing right back, and he just he sat on me the whole game, mate. Standing yeah. on my toes, like firing elbows into my face. Lee Hughes was coming over, like nipple me and all. And I was like, yeah, that John Parkinson was an absolute monster, wasn't he? Mate, you can imagine against me, mate. He was standing on my shoulders, mate. Just, just standing on me. <laughs> and I was like, he's about 16 stone, mate. Mate, I hated every minute of that league. Like, just don't get me wrong, my missus was with me and she had like a nice job in Formby. And Formby was like where all the like Liverpool players and Everton players live. So you'd be like, you would see Stevie J and his wife and his kids sitting like drinking coffee and cosses if it was nothing. And yeah, Pelle was driving by in his cars and big sacco. And you would, so and you got to go and play at far screen. <laughs> it was a lovely place to live, a lovely place. And my agent at the time was from Southport. and they couldn't have done any more for me, but the league did not suit me at all. Like, I don't know how. Yeah. It's a hard, hard division. Boys fighting for their lives and not all much money. And it just didn't suit me at all. And that it made my decision so much easier to come home. And I think it was Christmas time. I had the chat with, I had a chat with all the clubs back home to come home. And it made my decision early that I'm coming home. Like I was, I couldn't get back up to the level where I was at. It was only a year ago. I was playing, making my debut. And then, to go to Southport and get absolute trounced on that league and not play football was just a disgrace for me. So yeah, came home very quickly and and um same for the cruise. Brilliant. And did you speak to any other clubs in in the Irish league or was it just uh and then what sort of what did Stephen Baxter say to you that made you made you turn? I, was, I spoke to I spoke to Feeney at Enfield. Um, he was actually one of the first ones to ring me, and then I spoke to um, Eddie Patterson, the Glens, and then Big Josh. Who 
I didn't really get on with Josh. I forgot to say it at Rangers. My yeah. missus lived with me, but we lived with my missus at Rangers. And I was on the tram. Like, it was like, we tram, she was taking the city centre. And Josh yeah. was like, playing the youth team every week, and I was probably up with the first team. And uh, like, I, I didn't like him at all. Like, he was like, his perception of people think of him now, that's why I thought of him then. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not talking to him. He's an, he's an idiot, like. And uh, yeah. I remember him getting on the tram with like, I think it was a wee boy, Alan Smith from down south, and they were both mates. And I remember Mrs. saying, Who's that wee boy? He's wearing a Rangers, Rangers tracksuit. And I was like, don't, don't, don't be talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> it was Josh. I was like blanking on it. But then to be fair, um, when I came home from a cruise, I started like getting friendly. And then when I came home, like I was talking to him over the summer and all and got friendly with him. And then he said, like, don't be signing for Linfield the Glens, come to the cruise, like. We're on the up, we just won the league and great yeah. club, you'll love it and you'll settle in well, the lads are brilliant. And to be fair, he ranks Stevie Baxter and I was actually on my way to sign for the Glens. Uh-huh. And, um, I was actually on my way to go to sign for the Glens and Stevie Baxter rang me and was like, just meet me at Seaview and we'll have a chat. Met, met, I met Stevie at Seaview and I signed within about two minutes. Serious? <laughs> just, um, thank you. But why? Like, what did he say, mate? What was that, yeah. what was that phone just, call like the Addy Patterson? <laughs> ah, it didn't happen, like, it didn't happen. Did you not ring him, though? <laughs> oh, man, didn't happen, like. Um, oh, man. I actually think he done an article in the paper about me and Michael Carville going to, go, do you ever remember that article where he said, try to sign two lads, Andy Mitchell and Carville. Um, I tried to sign two lads, but they went to the cruise for more money. I didn't go for more money, man, honestly. Um, it was just, it was just the way Stevie spoke to me, and it was just more, more father figure and just put his arm around me and was like listen you're not going to pay every week but you'll love the place and just the way he spoke to me really feeling made me feel really welcome the chairman always there and it was just just felt like the right move for me and to be fair it turned out it turned out it was the right move for me it was what a what a season that was what a th- I'd spent two yeah. seasons there but what a double season like what a what a club like honestly like I I hold that club in high regards and Really, really grateful of what they've done for me, like back in, in terms of giving me my chance to come back and play actually Because boys struggle when they come back, and they made it so much easier for me to settle in, and it was, it was brilliant. And the change room was that was unbelievable. Like, imagine that change room of yeah, Coach Ogers, Cadell, Joy for Safe joined Josh, Richard Clark, Craig McLean, Jordan Owens. Like the whole team was just just a real good team to be with, and a few pranks as well, and all, which was good. Like. Yeah, brilliant, mate. Happy days. Um, in terms of, of, of Baxter, then obviously Healy as well. Was, is there any major differences between the both of them? Um, Baxter would probably be more hands on with his players. Um, Baxter would do these mad team talks before games. Like, yeah, go on. Give us an example. <laughs> he used to like watch. He'd say one that I remember, isn't it like first couple of games? Like, I was like thinking, what is this guy doing? Like, he would come in and like, it's wee tight change room at Seaview, like, and he would come in. There'd be about 25 boys sitting there, no their bags on, like, just waiting on the team getting a nice. And he used to like, I remember he used to like, he used to, he used to like look at Twitter and refresh Twitter, and the team would come up on like Niffle before you, before he would come in with the team. <laughs> I used to like turn into Carvel, and he'd be like, he used to be like, Nah, and I started. <laughs> like, and it was funny, but he, he one of the team talks he done was like he used to funny ones like, but he used to, he done this one about he says he was watching a film last night, Kill Bill. And like Kill Bill. What a movie. 
Mate, he came in, like, he came in the change room, and he's pretending, like, he grabs the brush, you know, the brush, the change room? <laughs> yeah. He grabs the brush with it, and pretends it's a sword. And he's like, we're going to slice him, and he's like, he's like, fully, like, swiping this brush, you know? I guess it's like, it's no like, flipping one or something. It's no like, way. before, like, a massive game, he's swiping a, a flipping yard brush about see if you change room. And then, the two games to go, Two games to go, we were playing Clintonville away to win the, this is to win the league, like, all the boys nervous, like, my time, first, first to win a league trophy, like, brilliant though. He comes in, he's like, right lads, we've done, like, we've, right, we've just done a marathon and we're seeing the stadium and he's like, he's like saying this, he's like, we're, we're running into the stadium and he's like, doing all the movements. <laughs> he's like, there's people in the crowd and he's pretending he's got in trouble and he's going, we can see the finish <laughs> Like a, a ground just about to play the biggest game of the season, like, and he's run about the change room. <laughs> what, a, what a guy! What's the boys doing, though, mate? When I, what's the boys doing, like, coaching Sean O'Neill and Declan Goodell? What are they like? What's their faces doing when he's? When I think this is their faces. This is as funny as this is their faces. <laughs> like, I'm totally, like, everyone just loved playing for him, like, and that's just the way he was. And he's still yeah. got an eye, like, and you see him on the sideline as. He drinks that Oasis and he's like, he grabs the Oasis and he's, referee, like, flip uh, me. That's the way he gets on, but he's, to be fair, he's, more, it's very That more sort like. of like, animated now, he's a bit more sort of t- tense now, isn't he? Ah, uh, you could see, you could see that, like, but, um, no, really? in terms of comparisons, there's, there's, they're two totally different management styles. He's just more, sort of players on, getting you off for games, like, it's all about hard work and fight for the club and, just, because mad? the crews are, could he go crazy, Mitch? Could he lose it, like? Um, yeah, yeah, he could, he could light on you, like he could, like he, could, <laughs> he would, he would, he wouldn't like go mad at you, but he would go like, he's playing for Manchester City. That's what he'd be like, <laughs> and he'd be like, oh dear, and like, like Michael Carville, Northern Ireland. Like that's what he would say things like that, and you'd be like, oh dear, he's coming for me big time, like yeah, coming for me. But the change room, to be fair, ran itself. Um. That change room when I joined was like when I first joined, I knew we were winning the league. It was like these boys are like just so driven and they want to yeah. win and you could just tell and to be fair, the boys weren't doing a lot of money and it was it was different gravy like. Yeah, brilliant mate. Um and then obviously you had a, a great time there in, in terms of um, you know, your trophies one and things. One thing I wanted to ask you about that rivalry with Cliftonville, what was the more intense rivalry rivalry the Cliftonville Crusaders or the Olympic Glentorn? And what was what was better to play in? See me fair, Cliftonville at the time, we, we had one up on them all the time. So and I don't think I I don't think I lost a game against Cliftonville when I was there. So it wasn't really it wasn't really um much of a rivalry. I think Joe Gormley and Joe Gormley I think had left and Boise had left. So the, they were like yeah. they were on the building stage again and it wasn't really our rivalry is more against Linfield probably when we were at the cruise where there were bigger games. Um, yeah. Every time we played Hughes, it was a six-pointer. Like, and that's the way it was. And Again, we were lucky that season where the season we won it where we got the better of us. The, the season after that, obviously, he's got the better of us. But that was our rivalry. It was between Linfield. It wasn't it wasn't. Don't get me wrong. The Boxing Day games were always tense and you had the fans and all, but it was nowhere near like Linfield and Glens. Like, nowhere near. I remember the, the Sky Sports game at the Oval. Um, that, that was different gravy. Like just like the 
intensity and going to the Oval as a Linfield fan and as a as a Linfield player and fan, it was like it was, it was good, like it was tough and it was intense. I remember after the game they beat us in Boxing Day, the bus and all was shaking. They were, were shaking yeah. our bus. Yeah. And I know. Those boys just glanced people just standing outside the bus, getting those outside pelters like, but there were things stick in your head, like and then I think from that we, we went on. We, I don't think they beat us, so um yeah. no, it was good. But definitely Linfield and Glen Torn was the, the bigger rivalry, don't get me wrong, Cruise and Clintonville was good, but Linfield and Glen Torn was definitely bigger. Yeah. So what, why did you leave Crusaders then, mate? And what sort of what did David Healy say then to the tempt you towards Linfield? Um, I played with Healy at, at Linfield and to be fair, I liked him a lot at, at Rangers. Um when I played him at Rangers, it was like he was more of a mate. He was my mate, he helped me a lot and he was good with me and just we I remember we went golfing all together and just things like that. And to be fair, I always wanted to play for him and then don't get me wrong, it was tough leaving Cruz. It was it was really tough for me. I remember the letter went in as a do like the first of January, and I remember Baxter pulling me on the Tuesday. We played Ards away. He pulled me on the Tuesday and he says, Listen, I want to speak to you on Thursday about a new contract. And um probably then I, I wanted to go to Linfield. And I and I sat down with Baxter and was like, Listen, I'm toiling here between going to Linfield and staying. And to be fair, Baxter offered me a deal and said to me, like, you're you'll be a star here and stay here for as long as you want and all this. And, but I, I think when Linfield come calling, you sort of have to... I wanted to go to Linfield when I came home and I wasn't getting the vibe off Feeney that he wanted me that well. It was just more I was pushing it. And yeah. um, that's why I signed for the crew. So when I came back around again, I just I thought that there was a good chance, don't get me wrong, it killed me to leave Crusaders and not change room. But at the same time, I just thought it was a good good way for me to go and play for Linfield and try and... Like they're the most professional club over here. Um, the dairy thing right and the play at Windsor Park was a big lure and to play under Healy. I just thought probably couldn't have turned it down. Um, probably would have had a regret deep down in my career if I never ever tried Linfield out. So when I went there it was it, it didn't let me down. It was to be fair, it was brilliant. And we had that Champions League experience when we first went in playing Celtic Park, which was incredible as well. You mentioned sort of yourself and and Healy being pretty close together as mates. What was that? Like um, when he became your manager, was it a different sort of relationship? You know, how uh, hard, how hard was it for you to get used to? You know, because you you can't really sort of with a manager. No, you, you can't. Know, you can't go above a certain line. Like whereas probably when you were at Rangers, you were maybe having a pint and stuff together. And yeah, you know, well, to be fair, he manager. Or you always have you always have the respect for your for your managers, but I think he's like he's like no other manager like you. You go to talk to him, it's like he doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> or not that he doesn't want to talk to you, but he he doesn't want you don't you don't get the right things back that you want to hear and you're like, I I played with you like come on, you can be honest with me and, and to be fair to be fair, Healy was to be fair with me, he gave me he gave me my chance. He gave me my chance more than enough at Linfield and he played me in big games and mm-hmm. I think the season where we won it like I played the majority of the games and it was a great season. But I think um as a manager and as a player, yeah, it's, it's always hard when you play with someone. You always think that they're going to be your mate when they can't. They can't be yeah, your mate. Not really. Uh, they can't like to be fair, but no. To be fair, I can't. I can't say nothing bad about him as a player. He was he was brilliant with me, and as a manager, um, probably liked him to talk to me a bit more. But apart from that, he was um, he was he was brilliant. He gave me a chance at Linfield, and he played me a load of games. So, um, not really. I don't think he's ever won to put his arm around you anyway. Probably looking. Yeah, for he didn't really. Story. He just he, had he, different ways, didn't he? And again, yeah, I don't. I, he, he sort of just he you knew. Out of his. 
Yeah, you knew you knew when you done something well. You knew by his look or something, but he wasn't one to ever pull me in train and go like, "You're doing well." Like keep going and and yeah. next game keep doing. It wasn't really that. It was like sort of look after yourself and and keep yeah, yourself right. And if you're doing well, you keep yourself in the team. But he never really gave you that arm on his shoulder. What Baxter would do and go. Like Bax used to have you in headlocks before matches and giving you know, he's like, Come on, you're gonna do it for me a day, son, and all this. And <laughs> he used to tell you like two weeks before a game you were starting and like just things like that. It was a totally different style of management, but don't get me wrong, there was no there's no right for wrong. It obviously yeah. won the league, so it worked. <laughs> I know that's what I mean. It's been he's been very successful and as you said, it's yeah. just different managers to have different styles and yeah. And he has, he's been I think people are still putting them down, but He's won trophy after trophy at Linfield. I think it's not. What's his? Is that his fourth title or third? Uh, third in four years. His, yeah, I think third that's his third in four years. And Irish Cups and always in there around it. And you expect Linfield to be there, but they go and do it. Like before he joined, Linfield weren't doing it. And now he's come in, he's done it. So, fair yeah. play to him. Like, brilliant. you know what it's like, though, mate? The thing, you know, Linfield, you're like even Davy Jeffrey after what was it, 17, 18 years? You know, it was yeah, still under scrutiny so. for his performance and yeah. stuff. You know, you know that's unfortunately big clubs either whether it's here or across the water or anywhere in the world, you're always going to be under that scrutiny. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And that's yeah. uh, that's what comes to a big club. Like Linfield are very much like Rangers, where although it's only part time, but like you have a bad game and you don't want to leave your house for two weeks, three weeks yeah. until the next. Game. Like it's just you're constantly like thinking about the next game, as you said. You don't you don't get time to sit and reflect on it. Like out of I think out of really good successful time at Linfield, but looking back at it, I'm like you didn't it just went in the blink and it's like just because you're constantly focusing on the next not even the next game, the next training session. You have a bad training session, the boys are hammering you. I know. And that's just the standards. Like and, and to be fair, it's it's good to have, don't get me wrong. It's it's what what, what it needs to be to win leagues, but um yeah, it's just a whole different ballgame. Like. The standards were high, though, mate. When I was going to speak to you, but the, the standards were high. Have you dropped your standards? standards I you found out. Even in a wee train session by 5-10%, mate. You were found out big time, like. I mean, it's like, you know, them five side games, mate, you knew who was having the stinker. And the person on that team having the stinker, usually on the wrong side. So you didn't want to be that person having the stinker. And that's what made you, yeah. it just made you want to improve every session and try and do your best every session. You got boys like Kirk and all absolute hammering you after the change room, mate. You don't, yeah. you're gonna change room and like whoever shouts, What was Hazy like? Or you knew you had a stinger, <laughs> so like that was just the way it was. And to be fair, I was Josh Robinson shouting at every training session. <laughs> that's because it was usually him having a stinger, he had to like palm it off. He was coming in going, I what was Hazy like to every single pair, but every single pair was they made you were having a stinger there. Uh, here we'll have to speak a wee bit about Gary Eccles, mate. I had uh, oh, on there a couple of weeks ago. Have you any stories for us? Right, to be fair, like, I don't know if you know this story, but there's no... <laughs> you get right at Dirk and that man, like, that man is... I've never yeah, seen first anyone, of all, I've never seen anyone get as much stick in football in my yeah, life. First of all, what a, like... Takes it. For all, like, stick, what a legend. Like, he's funny. Like, I get on with Gary well, like, really. Yeah, he like, what a hero, man. like, but... Has he paid like, his £10,000 10, screw fix bill yet? This is, this is a story. <laughs> I'll tell you a story outside of football about Screwfix. Like, so obviously I worked on Screwfix. I used to run the trade counter, which is like, you could be a bit more lenient. Um, you get boys coming in, plumbers and sparks, who enjoy the football banter and 
Gary, you know, guys, he used to walk about with Linfield tracks on everywhere he went. Like, so you'd think he was a manager of Linfield, like, and um, he used to come in, like, the counter was only had two tills, quite a small counter. This, these boys are doing this for a living, so they have to get in and out the shop, get their materials, and go to the next job as quick as they can. Yeah. Gary Atlas used to come in, he used to be like a wee bench and make the two tills. Gary Atlas used to come in and, like, right, get the tea on. Like, he never used to buy anything. He used to go in, right, get the tea on. He used to sit. He used to sit in this bench, mate, and plumbers and start, sparks would be lined up behind him, mate, and big cues, like, cracking up at me. Yeah, Andy, what's the chance here? And Gary would, like, turn around going, hey, are these? You know who I am? Like, no way them up. Like, but I was like, Gary, like, these boys, that's, you need, and he's like, no, fill that coffee up. And he, I mean, he used to take his coffee so thick. He used to, like, no joke, he used to be able to stand on his coffee. Like, he was to put, I used to fill about three spoonfuls of coffee in his thing. The water in it. He's like, I'll put more coffee in that. This would be like pure black with coffee in it. I'm like, guy, how are you drinking that? Coffee and Pepsi Max. <laughs> Pepsi Max coming out of his ear. But that day in football, that day, <laughs> that day, sucker got him in the head, locking through the ground. Man. Oh my days. Oh yeah, my days. That was before like a really big game as well. That was a sat. That was on a Saturday. Man, it, it was before. It was before Crusaders at home. Aye. Josh, I think Josh scored the header and knocked Baxter's tea out of his hand, mate. <laughs> That's right, man. Yeah. Started, yeah. started off the two. The other way, obviously, Kirk and Sucka, Jordan Stewart, like, just kill him. Any chance to get, like, they just, they just banter him off all the time. And, uh, like, obviously, Gary had a wee bite back or whatever, and then the next thing, sort of, like, they were shoving, like pushing each other. And I was thinking, like, he's going to sit in me Sucka here, like, and kill him. Do you know what it was? Do you know what it was? It was tickets. So I was like, give me an extra ticket, give me an extra ticket. And Gary's like sitting there with a book full of tickets, mate, about to throw them in the bin. You get two and that's it. So Suck was like, give me a ticket. He's trying to get the tickets off him. Get Gary's out, get away, get away. Next thing, like he, he just catches Sucker, you know, like a wee, like, not by mistake, yeah. like catches Sucker. Sucker's like, what are you doing, hitting me? And then all the boys, like, all the boys, like, building up. Sucker, you going to take that? He's just smack you and all. This is like 10 minutes for the gaffer, names his team. Sucker runs over, grabs big guy in a headlock. Sucker's like four foot. Guy's quite tall, big man. Sucker gets in a headlock, fires him across Windsor Children. And like already tease him. Already tease him to a grave. I never forget I never forget the colour of Gary's head. Man, I looked away one then I looked back, man. It was pure purple. I thought he was gonna die. <laughs> I mean I, I, was, I heard you talking about GMO Grew about the the sheep noises, mate. Oh my days. Yeah. So after a fur away in this trip. And then afterwards he, he grew the he dyed his beard black. <laughs> <laughs> he oh, just had like a black goatee like that. Spear up, mate. Oh, what a hero though. Oh, what a mate, you know what? Okay. Every kit man are the same. They are like every oh, kit man are well, like Rangers. Mate, Gary is I think Gary's trying to be like Jimmy Bell, mate. Gary used to ask me stories on Jimmy Bell. Used to go to Jimmy Bell and be like, used to get boys, you know, to get top signed. I used to go, Jimmy, can I have a spur top? Then he had about 4,000 tops, you no, know, like spur tops. Yeah. See, to try and get a top off that man. You'd have, you'd have asked him like once, he'd give you a top about two months later, and you'd have to take about 20 rib ticklers. But he used to have this sock. He used to have this sock with two uh, golf balls in it. Jimmy Bell, mate. And he used to go, what is it? What do you want? And he used to like walk over to his drawer, mate. You knew he was getting the sock. And he used to chase you out of his roommate with a sock, mate. 
I swear, see if a sock hit you, mate, you'd have been knocked out for three months. You used to chase you with a sock, mate, like swing that, mate, with golf balls. They are, they're, mate, they're all the same, though. Like, even whenever you go into Gary's, Gary's room, you'd think you're asking for £10 million. Like, he just gives I mean, you... I remember going in. It was, a, it was a December. December, mate. I was freezing. Absolutely baldic. There's about 30 pairs of gloves sitting on the desk. <laughs> I says, Gary, do you mind if I take these gloves? It's freezing out there, like... You think you are no Billy? I said, Gary, it's minus 20 degrees. I said, I'm taking the gloves. And Ross obviously said, just take a Mitch. And then he used to stand up now and he used to move stuff on his desk. He used to do OCDs. He used to go in and like move his pen on his desk and he used to catch on to it. The other guy, like, actually phoned him there last week. Um, no, he phoned me looking discount. Screw fix, I'm not even there. Shock, shock. Security do you still work on Screefix? I'm like, no, guy, you know, I left there a year ago, man. I don't work on Screefix anymore. <laughs> Did he ever pay that bill? No. No, mate. Do you remember the time he went and bought the paint off me? Remember the time he went and bought the paint off me and Matty Clark rang him? He went and bought two Aye. tubs of paint. He went and bought two tubs of paint out of the <laughs> fence life or something. Matty Clark rings him the next day. I told Matty Clark, hey, lads, I was like ruined the chat, lads, oh, guys, is out of the shop. I bought two tubs of paint. Get on to him. Next time, Matty Clark rings him. Uh, this is Screwfix here. Uh, just letting you know there's been a problem with the paint and you're going to have to bring it back. It's been like something wrong with the paint, mate. Next thing, Gary Tander's in the Screwfix. <laughs> <laughs> two tubs of paint. <laughs> yeah, I never lost one so much. He was like, <laughs> He was like, I was like, Gary, what are you doing? I was acting. I was like, Gary, what are you doing? He's like, uh, had a call from Screwfix head office to bring up the impact. And I was taking pictures of him, sending the WhatsApp group. It was a gag. Like, oh, crap. I could just imagine his face, mate. No emotion yeah. on it, nothing. Like, grumpy. Oh, as if he was giving them two bags of 10 grand each, mate. Back to me, like. Some <laughs> boy, like, mate. What a hero. What a boy, like. But they're all the same. You wouldn't get a flipping penny off them, but yeah, ask for something. It's like, Get out. <laughs> Class. Moving on, mate. Just just before we leave, sort of Lim- the the Linfield behind. Um, I have to finish off talking about Linfield about the the previous European campaign. Mate. How good was that there? What what about that experience? It honestly felt like we got the final of the Europa League, mate. That's what it felt like, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um. No, it was incredible. To be fair, I wasn't the first. The first sort of couple of trips, I was obviously on the bench, but I was traveling. But the experience was unbelievable. Like just. I think we, we beat the... Uh, first of all, we went to the Champions League, played Rosenberg. We stayed in that hotel looking out on the pitch. So we had really to look like on the, the pitch. Journeys, though. The, the journeys, like the journey to the Faroe yeah. Islands, we couldn't land because it was foggy. Have you ever told a story about the, the Charger, myth? No. The plane? No. You tell um, it, Myth. How funny was that? With Jimmy Cogger and all? Even, even ourselves, like, getting on. Yeah, I, I was for enough. Me and Jimmy were for getting the train to Sweden, mate. Or... <laughs> Me and Jimmy were forgetting the train home. Mate, I said to Jimmy, so, Jimmy, I'm not flying home. Here's no way. I'm, I'm not getting on that plane. Mate, it was like it was Jack Lund's face and all. Mate, it was fucking epic and all. And sucking Jordan Stewart. This was we were sitting in an airport, mate, on our own charter flight. And um, about two o'clock in the morning, wasn't it? Oh, mate, it was ages. The the pilot came out. It was like uh, having a bit of trouble with the plane. Won't start. We were like. <laughs> So Jimmy's like nervous as it is, you know. And then we flights, mate. Like I remember going to Fair Islands the year before, remember? And the plane was all it was like one row on the plane, mate. 
and the plane was all over the place. It was so scary. Like the, the flight in killed us as well, mate, because there was so much fog. You know, mate, it was, you basically it was so came scary. in, and it was literally like about five seconds past the fog, and then you were landing. It was yeah, horrendous, it was mate. But the pilot came out, and he was like, having a bit of a problem with the plane. All the boys were like, ears perked up. What do you mean a bit of a problem with the plane? Like, what's, what's the problem? It won't go on. The plane won't turn on. We were yeah. like, oh, yeah. my days. So the boys were like, some of the boys are shattered because we've just been absolutely hammered off Rosenberg at six <laughs> Like some of the boys, like just get me home, and some of the boys, are like I'm not getting on that plane though. I have like kids and all at home. Like there's no, there's no chance I'm getting on that plane. Like my missus was pregnant at the time. I was like thinking, maybe Tess is going to have no daddy. You know, I was like, no, I can't on this plane. <laughs> Next thing, half an hour later, the pilot comes in and 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 says to like, I think he says to Andy Con out of all people. Has any of the lads got a laptop charger or an iPhone charger? Something mad like that. And we were like, yeah. what's, what's this iPad charger for? And they were like, oh, it's just to charge the battery for the plane. <laughs> and I was like, thinking of myself. Jack Rondy was like, yeah, I've got one. <laughs> and I was like, thinking of myself. I was like, going, right, it takes me, uh, it takes me an hour to charge my phone, mate. It takes me an hour to charge yeah. my phone. There's no way we're on this plane for four hours. There's no way that's charging for four hours to get home. Next thing, half an hour later, hey, that's just good to go. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm gaffer. I remember the gaffer or Roy. I think Roy McGivern come out and saying, lads, like honestly, if nobody wants to go on the plane, we'll arrange different ways home. But we've been assured that the plane's okay. Mate, he started that plane up. It was the scariest time. Really. Yeah, I swear to God, me and Jimmy were on like. Me and Jimmy were on some train website, mate, comparing prices for trains to Sweden. I swear to God, mate, and I was 100% serious. I was like, Jimmy, you know how Jimmy is? Jimmy was like, if it takes me two weeks to get home, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I'm not getting on that. <laughs> mate, I remember Jimmy before the Rosenberg game. I remember all the boys were like carrying their wee, um, we all thought we were players when we played Rosenberg. We were all carrying our, um, like, our wee watch bags. You would get like the old Ted Baker wash bag out of your Christmas set. Jimmy's carrying yeah. an Asda bag, mate, with deodorants, his boots all on it. We oh, were, and he was like, but Jimmy being Jimmy, like, what a guy. Like, who do you think these are now? We're like, <laughs> what anyone's, but brilliant, what a guy, what a guy. Class. What a, what a, what a, what that European, that European journey was on. Them car bag games was like, I mean, think back, mate, we were one goal away, probably 15 minutes away from. Making the group stages of the Europa League, like that's that's incredible. But that was the best I've heard Windsor. That three two uh, game, that three uh, two game, mate, at at Windsor, mate. I that, remember that Carabao game at Windsor, mate. That's that's literally the only game I've ever played in my professional career where I've thought it's like a dream, like it's not happening. It's not. This isn't real. Like yeah. team and Shane, team and Shane scored that goal. Yeah, it was so weird, mate. It was I like, remember seeing I remember being, celebrating, and I, d- I didn't even have like the energy to run off and celebrate. I was just like, what's going on here? To be fair, the first 15 minutes in that game, they had the post twice, mate, and they were 100 men hour, and I was like, I was like, oh my days, I am, we're going to get hammered here, 13-0. They went 1-0 <laughs> up. They went 1-0 up, and I was like, oh my days, this is scary. This is not even... And you were up against that boy on the wing with a flipping cheese strings in his head, mate. He was unbelievable. Red Mario. <laughs> Zubar, yeah, Zubar, bendy legs, mate. He was incredible, but I don't know how, how we got that result. It was it was unbelievable, like yeah, frightening. But frightening, man, but I was epic. Yeah. What a what a what a experience, trip. mate. 
like even even in the away leg there, I know they battered us and they had probably ninety percent possession and stuff. But see, the longer we kept it at one nil, and we ah, get last maybe twenty minutes, they were getting nervous, mate. And you know, we, see after the game, we were getting more of the ball and stuff. And then after the game, mate, after the game, I was in the. We were all looking at our tops, obviously, and I was down in their corridor, like waiting on the number ten to come out to get us top, and um. I remember the president of their country, mate. There was like five bodyguards walking down with some guy. Obviously, I didn't know it was the president at the time. I was standing outside like a wee boy, mate, outside our changing room, waiting on number 10 to come in. <laughs> Next thing, I just felt this big arm going across my chest, mate. Poof, straight against the wall, mate. I was like pinned against the wall. President walks by me, mate, goes in, has like a two-second shot, and they're all going bunkers in the, ch- in the changing room. And I was like, what's it? Only be at Linfield, lads, relax. Yeah. I know. That's how big it was then. It was absolutely massive then. Like. Yeah. I never forget got, getting on there. Like, our boss mate, it was this absolute scrapper. It was near. It was Stunk as hell. Mate, Stunk. I, looked, I looked out the window and their, their boys were driving off in Lamborghinis and Porsches and all, mate. I was just like, yeah, it was a joke. It was, it was a joke. Like, what but, experience. Uh, so, what experience? What experience? Right. Oh. Let's talk about Lauren. Purple bricks. Right then. You couldn't you turn down a 50 grand sign on fee, could you? <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. That's before that. That, that. that video that came out about me, oh my days. There's, I remember, so I got into the club the first day, um, went down to sing. Um, obviously, brilliant. Like, I'll go in to talk about Ten- Kenny and Tierney and the lads and all, but first day in the new club, I we went in. I had my top on all road out, Mitchell, 17. Walked in and they had like media guys, like the media guys will are top class. Like, yeah, probably got hammered. Like, and all, like, what are, what are Lauren doing? But see, when you're in it and you get the buzz and all, it's, what they do is cl- like classic. They're like, you don't get that. So, like, they had this whole thing set up for me. Like, when I walked in and I was like, they, t- they talked me through it and I was like, oh, see, I, I don't want to <laughs> do this. Like, I don't want to do this and all, but I was too like nice to go, like, no, I can't do that. And down they're like, oh, just do it, it'll be funny and all. Like, Kenny's give it the go ahead, and Tiernan loves this and all. Like, right, fine, no worries. So I had to like pretend that <laughs> I walked in with this clipboard. They had this clipboard saying, 100 grand sign on fee, new car, um, house bought for me, and 15, 15 grand a week or something. This was like my pretend contract. So I had to go in and say, like, excuse me, do you know where Tiernan's office is? I have to, I have to sign this contract and like show it to the camera. And then I would walk out and they'd be like, is that Andy Mitchell? Like this video went flipping viral. Man, I, I come home that day. I come home that day. My next day, my next door neighbor says to me, "Oh my, you you move a house?" I, went, <laughs> I was like, "What?" They were like, "Senior contract, unbelievable." And I was like, <laughs> "But I was like, I just walked in. I was like, do you think I'm on fifteen grand a week and hundred grand saying on me? Relax yourself. Relax. I've just left Screwfix." And a part-time job, relax yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. but to be fair, Lauren, honestly, um, it's the most I've felt see since we've moved across England. It's the it's the closest I've been, or probably better than professionalism that I've ever I've ever been at. Yeah. See, in terms of like going in, um, the gaffer's structure and way he wants things, and just like meetings, like have a debrief on training and. The brief training sessions and everything's really structured and the gaffer knows what he wants and all the players are buying into it and we're adding we're adding again and, and Josh and 
and we weren't far away from it. I think if the season went on, we would have done some real damage. I think we were on a real good run of form and we're really starting to kick in. So, um, no, everything's everything the club's doing and the vision for it is it's unbelievable. So I thought when the move came about, I was like to turn down full time football. I actually remember ringing Craig McLean and I said to him, told him everything and said to him about the contract and probably people think I went there for money. It's nowhere. My two jobs in Linfield, I was getting more um, yeah. screw fixing Linfield wage. So it wasn't about the money. It was the whole thing of getting up every day and being a footballer again. Like I, I yeah. get that uh, I turned down a job for life and screw fix. Um, I'll probably have to go back one day and start from scratch all over again. But to be honest, see, to turn down waking up every day at nine o'clock to go and get your breakfast, to go train, to go and do something you love. Yeah, it was an, it was an absolute no brain. It was a no. It was a no brainer for me. Like and it was something. After speaking to Kenny and Tiernan and and all his staff, like it's just the way they're doing it. There's you need to be you need to be there to see how how they're doing it. It's just trying to explain to someone is just it's just not what it is when you're actually down there sitting front face to face and seeing these guys work and the amount of effort they're going into to to, to make our jobs easier and it's 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 unbelievable. Like it really is. Yeah, just on Josh, mate. Did he sign for the cruise and Lauren at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think he's saying for the Glens as well one stage. <laughs> oh, do you fair, like? Ah, oh, boy. Ah, oh, boy, some crack, like. Um, stories. Did, did he tell you a story about the first time I joined the cruise, our first European trip away? He might have. He might have. Tell us it. <laughs> obviously, Josh, my best mate now, like, but first European trip away, we played Estonia. Uh, the Estonia champions, Levada Town, out in Estonia. I came from Rangers where I'd never touched a drink in my life. Like, never touched a drink in my life. And I've walked in the change room with, like, ogres. All these boys who are absolute bunkers. Just won the league. We've just qualified for the next round of the Champions League. First time, like, an RC club's ever done it. Mm-hmm. And I said to all the, all the boys, like, oh, what are you drinking all much? And I was like, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't drink, lads. I'm all right. And they're like, oh, come on. We're in the flipping second round of the Champions League. Have a drink. No, have a drink. So I was going up to the bar, mate. Like, getting rounds in and I was asking the barman for like like shots I was like asking the barman um, I'm like in Estonia trying to think doing the uh, old foreign English accent you're trying to do like uh, can I have six shots uh, make one shot water one water shot. one shot <laughs> so I'm like I'm like pretending I'm getting blocked with the lads like, and I'm not even drinking it like, I'm taking shots of water mate like trying to act Trying to act a big man, pretend the black. But Josh knows I'm drinking water. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. he's like, and he finally tells all the boys, Mitch is drinking water. Like, <laughs> I run around pretending to be black, mate. And our story about the cruise, this, this is the type of gesture we were in. I turned up to training one time. It was my birthday. A week later, Leanne's mum bought me this jacket, and it was like a, it's like a lumberjack stripey, stripey shirt. I thought it was nice. Obviously, the lads saw it different. Yeah. I came in after training, me, Carvel and BJ were out hitting shots. I came in after training and all the boys were in change room. It was like nine o'clock, all the boys were your way. All the boys were getting changed, showered and all, and I was just, just out of the shower. About to stick on the jacket mitt. Put my arms in the jacket mitt and the sleeves fell off the jacket mitt. <laughs> <laughs> then I found out ogres had cut the sleeves off my jacket mitt. Cut Seriously? the sleeves off my lumber back, off a lumberjack shirt. 
So when I stuck my arms through the jacket, mate, the sleeves fell <laughs> on the ground. The boys were, the boys were rolling about on the floor and tingles in it. And I was like, and I was, then I took a really thick. I was like, lads, that's a disgrace. No, this is, you don't mess with clothes and all, like, and I'm going to get you back. And the boys were like, hammer me. Like, yeah, that's what you probably do as well. They were calling me, they were calling me Jim Duggan out of that there swing film with this foot. And I was getting pelters, mate. Class. Pelters. Brilliant, mate. I love all that there. Um, Only. Just to finish off, mate, uh, in terms of, you know, Lauren and Tiernan Tiernan Lynch here for next year, what's, what's, uh, as he said, out goals and stuff for next season, surely is must be looking at the title. To be fair, the way way we finished the season and probably if it went on would have been, in my opinion, would have been right up early. Um, Just the way we were going, we were on a good run of form and we beat all the top teams. We beat the Glens, beat the Blues. Beat Glen Avon. We're, we're, we're knocking teams away. So we're like, bring it on, bring these last seven games on. We still had to play Linfield, we still had to play Corian. Not saying we would have won the league, no, but we'd definitely give give people a run for their money. Um, because yeah. people were just still saying, Lauren, first year in the league, how they're gonna do. Realistically, we finished sixth, which is which probably yeah. isn't good enough for what what the talent we had in that squad and what we showed we could do. So this year, I think, going on the back of last year, it's give the boys a lot of belief. Um, going into this season thinking can I remember playing against Lauren against Linfield and we beat them 1-0 and I thought they were the better side on the day we just got that goal in the very last I think Josh scored a header in the last minute of the yeah. game and there wasn't much in the game so in terms of I think it's just a bit more about belief about believing before games that we can actually go and compete and, and win games and and there should be no reason we're, we're doing everything right we've got a Michael Boy the, the fitness guy and we've brought in a nutritionist this year and so we haven't set out our goals yet because we're not back, but I'm pretty sure it would be to win every match we're 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 going to play. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. Um, I can't see no other option. Like, and I honestly think I'm not putting no pressure, but I don't think it is pressure. But I honestly think we'll be right up there next year if we do if we apply ourselves right and and do everything right and maybe add a few more. Um, yeah. There's no reason why we shouldn't be right up there because we've proved we can beat we can beat anybody on our day. I was going to ask you, do you, do you think you need to add a few more, mate, just for that sort of, like, if somebody gets injured, then you've got that, that squad then to deal with them injuries that will no doubt, like, no doubt them yeah. going to come along. It's 100%. And it happens. At Christmas. All the top, all the top sides, you look at the won the league in the past, Linfield's the, the crews, they've all got 20, 20, 22, 24-man squads and players chomping at the bit and you need Important, that. You need players, you need players fighting for your position and, to be fair, I think it'll be a matter of time before we're bringing a new, a new fresh faces. And I don't think it's that. It's bringing the right people in as well. I think Tiernan's got the right. I think that the dressing room is very good in terms of characters. Um, there's no big head of lads. They're all very honest lads. And a bit like Gary Sagan, I think everyone's the same. But the lads are all real, real good lads. And they know what they want. And they'll work as hard as they can. And, and to be fair, everything's done right. So if we apply ourselves right, then I think the first year, a few like, Likes of Mark Randall, Lee Lynch. Boys didn't know the league, so they all yeah. know the league now. Yeah. So there's no there's no excuses and we can go out and do the business now and hopefully we can. And to be fair, the, the wee the wee town's buzzing like see no matter where you go. I sit down to town dead done a bit of training and like I'm walking in town, I've only been there for five months and like people are stopping me and saying hi yeah. and welcome yeah. to Larn and this real, real lovely wee club and we just got to, as players now, we just got to show what we're all about and do it for Lauren because everybody else is doing everything for us. So it's just about us doing it for them. And I'm sure the lads are all for it. Like Kenny, Bax is, 
a million percent, the gaffer backs his million percent, Seamus backs his million percent, and they do everything for us. So we need to um we need to back it up as players, like like and show a bit of a bit of urgency our our side to go and do things for them. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Um who 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 really impressed you whenever whenever you first went in, in terms of playing ability? I spoke to Marty about this last week. You know when you're playing at when you're playing against players and you don't and you don't rate them, you know they're good players, but you don't realise how good they are. Yeah. Um Tomas Cosgrove. Um to be fair, I every time I played against Tomas, knew he was a class player. When I'm training with him day in day and seeing him play, he's like a mainstay on our team and like big part of what we do and getting up and down the right and but like you've got like I'm going to train, like I didn't realise how good Jeff Hughes was. Yeah. I don't actually think anybody did. Jeff Hughes has played in England all of his career. Yeah, I'm exactly. Like, tra- I'm like training with this boy day in, day out now. And like, I'm I'm 28 now and I'm still learning off Jeff Hughes. That yeah. says a lot. Like, and I'm watching Jeff Hughes playing a Saturday and I'm like, that's class. So it's like, the midfield is packed. Mark Randall, John Hearn, me, um, Fod, Fodzer, uh, yeah. Jeff Hughes. There's five centre mids, mate, that, could, that all should be playing. So, our midfield sorted. I hope. <laughs> Nobody doesn't yeah. like anymore. But no. Um, uh, no, but that's what it takes. Like there's there's boys at Big Albert Watson again, rock at the back, and maybe we've got the squad. David McDade. Yeah. Like he caused yeah. he caused Linfield absolute turmoil that night. I watched it. Um, and then Johnny McMurray as well. He caught. So if you look around our squad, and it's a top class squad. We just need to. We just really need to believe in ourselves and go and do it now and just. Go for it, and that's what we we'll have to do. Just I think Adam Josh will bring a wee bit of winning mentality, and adding a few others, a wee bit more belief to go right. And that's that's go for it. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Well, listen, Mitch here, top man, mate, for coming on. Really, really appreciate Brilliant. it. Brilliant. Been good chatting to you, mate. Um, Funny stories. And, uh, yeah, great, great stories, mate. And uh, I'll give you, I'll give you a shout later on, mate. Okay. Yes. Good man, kids. Thanks very much. Good luck. Top man, mate. See you, Mitch. Cheers. Bye.